going out. Yes, we're away now, I think. Okay, so Jacqueline, we lost our beloved Jacqueline Crozier this week, um, member of church for many years and was at the beginning of EGAS, was very active with us, has been with us in spirit for those last years, but um, hasn't been around so much uh, here on a Tuesday. But Jacqueline hasn't had good health over recent years and we, she died, she went home to be with the Lord uh, this week past. She was buried on, on Friday. But just, just to, we've been talking a lot about the joy of the Lord and I just wanted to say a little tribute to Jacqueline because she was one of those people that uh, was, we would describe her maybe as being larger than life. One of those people who um, was just effervescent, loved all things sparkly, all things pink, and always, uh, you know, to be heard and full of fun. And, you know, she carried herself so well. And uh, Phil was saying that when he went to see her in hospital over recent times, you know, that she would have introduced him to everybody in the ward, just about in all their ailments and had him going around all the patients and praying for them and that type of personality. And so we really are going to miss her. She would have been sat, sitting on the front here, and, you know, out with the flag on, on, on worship and very, very um, alive person. Uh, but just one, one memory that I have of her that I wanted to share, because we've been talking a lot over these past weeks about the joy of the Lord being your strength. And I remember years ago, I used to go to Jacqueline and her husband Harry's life group. And years ago, we were, I remember one evening very, very... Uh, very well. We had been talking about the joy of the Lord being our strength in Nehemiah chapter 8 and we had a little bit of discussion around that and then we started to pray and Harry uh, would be quite you know very sober and he was he was going about the praying and everybody was sitting in a small little room in a circle and Harry was praying and out of the corner of my eye and my head down I could see Jacqueline moving and I realized she was going to come over to whisper something to me but just as Jacqueline got up she caught her foot in the mat and she went down right on the ground full length across just over my feet and she was just lying on the ground and she was laughing. I mean, she couldn't get up. She was like, a, a, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but she was like a beached whale on the ground. And so I started to laugh, but no one else was, was laughing. And, and Harry just continued to pray as though it hadn't happened. And the more Harry prayed, the more we laughed. You know that when you shouldn't be, when you shouldn't be laughing, you can't stop. And, uh, and Jacqueline, I remember, she kind of got herself gathered and she got up onto one knee and she put her, her hand over onto my knee and she looked up into my face and she could hardly talk for laughing. And she said, Mo, the joy of the Lord's your strength. <laughs> and you know, for years, every time we saw each other, we used to say that. And that's the truth. And that's just the most beautiful memory, apart from many other ones as well, that I have of Jacqueline. So I wanted just to say that we're praying for Harry and for the family. I also wanted to give you a word that Lorna Hutchinson sent for last week. I was meant to give you this word last week. I got home and realized I hadn't passed it on and I just felt immediately, well, you know what, Lord, maybe it wasn't a word for last week, it's a word for this week. So let's believe this is a word that Jacqueline, if, or that Lorna felt was for you last week and I'm believing it's for today. And just Jacqueline felt that there were perhaps those in the group um, who are maybe feeling a bit down or a bit under pressure. And she felt that uh, a word, a verse from 
from Psalm 42 verse 8 was a now word and I believe it is a now word for this morning and the verse says the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and she felt that God was pouring out his love and we need to remember this he is pouring out his love every day and she is praying and has been praying that we would be totally drenched in the love of God today so that's what what we're believing for and that's what we are trusting the Lord for today the other thing I wanted to say was that I had prepared a lot of things for this morning and I just didn't feel that was last end of last week and I just didn't feel it was quite right and on Saturday night I asked the Lord for a word just for a word from himself that he would really want to pass on this morning and just as soon as I prayed that prayer there were seven things shot out of me in these verses from uh, John 15 just seven things that I felt that God was saying and I really want you to catch these this morning because I do believe that these seven things are are really important and I believe they're for each of us this morning. First, God loves you. Second, God has chosen and appointed you. Three, God has called you to be his witness. Four, the spirit of truth will guide you. Five, God will turn your sorrow into joy. Six, God wants you to ask in his name so you will receive. And seven, you have everything that you need to be an overcomer. So I really feel, may God help me to deliver what I feel he has given to me out of these seven things that you should know this morning. And we're going to, we're going to read a few verses just to get us going from John 15 verse 9. I know we read this last week. I'm picking it up from there again this week. Verse 9, as the Father loved me. Remember, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. And he says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. That means remain. Stay connected. Don't let any cloud come between. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you. Do you see the link with abiding in him? Do you see the link with the joy? That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Do you know that God wants you to be joyful? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You see, truly loving someone means not wanting to hurt them. I think we all know that, don't we? If we truly love someone, we won't want to hurt them. And if we do hurt them, we know that love is quick to say sorry and receive forgiveness. And it's exactly the same with the Lord. He wants us, he, he wants us to enjoy fellowship with him. And true fellowship is to receive him as Saviour and Lord and to walk in obedience. And that's what he keeps repeating in these verses. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, the enemy will try to tell you, well, 
once you trust Jesus as saviour, that you can kind of live whatever way you want. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, love like God's love demands our all. It's not what it says when I survey the wondrous cross. This love demands my heart, my soul, my all. And obedience and submission to God is the secret of joy. Now here's the thing, when we, when we sin, when we disobey God, when we, when we do the things that we know, we know from God's word and we know in our heart when we sin, we, sin is really selfishness, it's going our own way, it's, it's backbiting, it's doing the things that, that God's word tells us not to do, it's, it's, it's not loving each other, it's, it's, it's disobeying what God knows to be best for us. And when we do that, when we sin, here's what happens. We grieve God. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now you and I both know what it's like to feel grieved when somebody hurts you, when somebody lets you down. We grieve God when we sin. And 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19 tells us that if we continue to sin and don't repent but just keep going on doing what we want to do and not caring what, what God is, is telling us, not, not allowing him to correct us, if we continue we can actually quench the Holy Spirit. We can, we can actually, you know what a quench, it's almost to pour water on something. We can, we can grieve or even quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's, that's not on. Girls, if we want to live in joy, we do not want to quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you read Ephesians 4, um, it tells us in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 26 says that we shouldn't let the, the sun go down on our wrath. Now, we often use that at weddings and we, we often say you know, to, to couples, don't, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And that's good advice for a married couple. But it's good advice in every relationship, including our relationship with God. We should make things right before we go to bed at night. If we're sinned or we've grieved the Holy Spirit, we should be, we should be making it right before we go to our bed that night. And the next verse goes on to say, Neither give place to the devil. Now here's what I wanted to get across this morning about God loving you. God loves you. He loves you so much he gave his son to die for you. And he wants you to love him back. And if you love him, you will want to keep his commandments. You will want to do things his way. You will, you will want to receive his forgiveness. You will want to turn away from that thing that's grieving him. That's what love does. But if you continue to do it your way instead of God's way, if you refuse to submit to him, if you refuse to obey him, you know what happens? You are actually giving place to the devil. What does that mean? It means you are giving the enemy a place, a landing strip, a runway, if you like, to land on in your life. You're giving place for the enemy to have a spot on your life. I've written down here the Greek word is topos, which means a spot, a place. It means giving the enemy room. It means giving the enemy license, a landing strip in your life. Now, we do not want the enemy to have any landing strip on our life. But I'll tell you that, that on sin that is unrepented of will, according to the word of God, will give him room in your life to operate. And we, if we want to know the fullness of joy and if we want to really abide in, in, in Christ, 
we need to make sure that there's no landing strip, that we ask for that forgiveness, that we get that cleansing, that we walk in that relationship with God where as soon as we sin against him, we just come in repentance and ask for forgiveness. And He has set, his blood continues to cleanse us. And John, we've gone over that verse so often in 1 John 1, where, where John, the, the apostle John, understood what Jesus said, that when we bring things into the light and confess our sin, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so this is the first point that I wanted to make this morning. 1 Peter 1 and 8 says that we love him whom having not seen we love. Yet believing we rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy that's inexpressible. That's the kind of joy that God wants us to have as we abide in his love. As we know that he loves us and we walk in that love and we love him back and we show that love by keeping his word. By, by being obedient to what we know he is telling us to do or not to do. You see, Jesus knows what will make you happy. Jesus knows how we were created and what we were made for. And I believe this morning this is a word for someone. I believe it's maybe for more than one. I believe it's for all of us, if I'm, if I'm honest. I believe it's a word for myself, that I would be quick to obey when I, when I feel the Spirit saying to me do this or don't do that where the word of God is heightened to me and I know what he's saying rather than disregard it that I would be obedient and I would love that you would be too so that's the first point that God loves you the second point is that God has chosen and appointed you and we get this in chapter 15 verse 15 no longer do I call you servants said Jesus for a servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you. These were the words that shot out to me on Saturday night. He has chosen you and he has appointed you. Remember, remember um, Anne who used to come here. Uh, you remember Anne, um, you pictured, she used to sit down in the back. She died last year. This was her voice, this was her verse. Up in, in Sister Concilio's, an out-and-out alcoholic, out -and -out alcoholic, she heard some scriptures that were recorded and they were just reading the scriptures and she heard these words, you have not chosen me but I have chosen you, but I have chosen you. You're chosen. And you know, I was thinking about how John the Baptist welcomed Jesus as being the bridegroom and he was John the Baptist was so right because Jesus came as the bridegroom who was going to give his life for his bride and he has chosen you to be his bride and you know here's the thing we can respond to that we respond to God's love because he first loved us first John 4 verse 19 John as an old man wrote this that we love him because he first loved us he is, you're chosen. You are chosen. And I've written in your notes that Jesus died to redeem his bride and he wants her to live in the joy of being chosen. You're just not any old person. God has chosen you and he has appointed you. Now Ephesians 2 tells us that you are actually God's masterpiece, that you have been created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for your life. God has works that he wants you to do. 
God has people he wants you to, to speak to. He wants you to be so full of his love that, that his love shines out from you, that there's no shadow over you, there's no shadow between you and him through unconfessed and unrepented of sin, that you can enjoy this walk with Jesus and that you can shine in this world and fulfill the purposes that he has for your life. That is powerful to know that, that you are not only chosen, but that you are God's masterpiece and that he has appointed you for good works. You know, John 15 verse 16 tells us that he has chosen us and appointed us that we should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. You see, that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be fruitful. We're meant to be so rooted in God's love our roots going right down into God's love that the fruit of his love just comes out in our lives and that we bear much fruit and fruit is love and joy and peace and goodness and long-suffering and kindness and all of those, those things that, that are so beautiful when we see in a believer's life. And love and joy and peace. Joy is a wonderful gift. Henry Nouwen, who... Um, uh, is now he's now dead he's a great man he spent a lot of his life amongst people with learning disability and here's what he said joy does not simply happen to us we have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day we choose to look at christ we choose to trust his holy spirit and we we choose to be joyful because God's joy is poured out over us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love and joy and peace. And as we abide in him, love and joy and peace comes out of our lives like bearing apples on an apple tree. It's joy and peace and love on the Spirit tree, on the Spirit of the tree of your life that brings forth fruit. And now here's something that God's put in my heart and it's been with me for a few days and I just felt I had to say this. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Saviour and our Lord, he has bought us. We are no longer our own. We belong to him. We're in a covenant relationship. And 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 says, You are bought with a price and you are not your own. And we dare not live life any old way after we trust Jesus as Saviour and Lord. You know, Philip was speaking on Sunday morning and he was talking about how God's grace is so wonderful, but how there's this doctrine of hyper-grace that is around the world at the moment where God just forgives anything and where, where we can just do what we like and that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God is full of grace, but our part is to repent of sin and to choose to walk in his ways, to choose to obey him, to choose to honour him in our lives. And so he has chosen and appointed us to bear fruit that would bring glory to his name. Number three, I want to go through these fairly quickly because I believe God wants to give a punchy message. I believe he wants you to get each of these points and take it into your heart. The third one is that God has called you to be his witness. You see, let me just read this to you, verse 18. Chapter, John chapter 15, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, 
but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I want you to really get that. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, I have chosen you to take you out of the world. You're still in the world, but you're not off the world. You're a different breed altogether. You live in a different way. And so if we go down a little bit further to verse, uh, not read all of that, and perhaps you could read it when you go home. Go down to verse 26. But when the helper comes, Jesus says, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Listen, we are witnesses. Acts chapter 1, Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come, because they were going to be witnesses. You are his witness. We are chosen by God to be his witness. You see, I want to read to you what John said as an old man. And remember, he was an old man who lived into his 90s, we reckon. And we know that he, we know that he, um, he died uh, out on the, on the island of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation. But he also wrote these beautiful little letters, these little epistles. And I want to read to you what he said about the world. In 1 John 4, sorry, 1 John 2, verse 15. Here's what John said after, after living to a great age. He remembered the words of Jesus, and here's what he said. Do not love the world. I've written here that the meaning of the world there is the cosmos, which is the world system. Do not love the world system or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, John wrote, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, for which we know it, by which we know it is the last hour. I want you just to look over quickly to a little couple of chapters further. First John 4, here's what John wrote by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You see, way back in the first century, John the Apostle knew that the spirit of Antichrist was already in the world. How much more is the spirit of the world full of Antichrist right now? Don't we see signs of it throughout the world? If ever we were to be aware of the spirit of Antichrist in this world, it is, it's right now. See, the world system, God, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus loved the world and gave his life for her. But 
The spirit of the world is what the Antichrist, what the spirit of Antichrist, what Satan himself, who is the God of this world, he is in charge and we are not part of this world system. And I just felt this week, I have to really emphasize this because it's so easy to be sucked in to things that are now seen as being okay. And, and the world is so subtle and so, um, so, so uh, able to suck us in and to, to, to deceive us. And it's interesting, I know I haven't time to really talk about it, but that verse in, in John where it said about, um, about the Antichrist, I'll just find it again here and read it for you. Uh, it says, the spirit, the lust of the flesh, and the, I'm going to just wait until I get it because I'll, I'll misquote it. I think it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I think that's what the way it's put in verse, in chapter, yeah, just let me get it here. Yep. Um, the Antichrist is coming. It is the last hour for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's very interesting. Those are the three things that Satan used to deceive Eve in the garden. He appealed to her eyes. He appealed to what the fruit that she saw. He appealed to her flesh that she would know more than God would. He appealed to the pride in her heart that she would be greater than God. Those, that, exactly the same. The spirit of the world is still what Satan uses against us. And it's so easy to be sucked in and seduced by the, the spirit of the age. Uh, Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, If our gospel is hid, it is hid to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Notice that the God of this age has blinded. He has blinded those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. You know, when I'm praying for people that I love, that I'm longing to come to know Jesus, I can think of one person in particular, when I'm praying for that person to come to trust Jesus as Saviour and Lord, do you know what I pray for? I say, Lord, would you lift the, the veil off? The, the, would you lift that covering that's blinding that person? Would you take away the blindfold? Would you reveal who you are? And I think that's a good way to pray for those who don't know Jesus. You see, the truth is that God has called you and he's called me to be witnesses, his witnesses. And he has promised that the Holy Spirit would be their helper. Did you see that? You will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. When the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. It's the Holy Spirit, but that's our next point, that you have the Holy Spirit of truth to help you. But here's what I felt to say, and this is not meant to be a word against any of us, but I, I do believe it's a word for all of us. We're called to be God's witnesses by what we do, by what we say, and how we live our life. The world is looking to those who name the name of Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. The world is looking at you and he's looking at me. The people in this world are looking at you and looking at me to see if Christ is real. 
Are we true witnesses? And honestly, I really felt this week like God was saying, are you really a true witness for me? Do you really show the world what I'm like? Are you showing the world something that actually turns them off? Because we aren't working, walking in truth, because we don't do things in a way that glorifies or honours the Lord. Honestly, I really felt challenged myself this week. What is my witness like? What is your witness like? Are we shaming, and I felt I have to write this in your notes, are we shaming the name of Christ by the way that we live? Do people look at us and say, well, if that's Christianity, I, I, I wouldn't be bothered with that. You know, they say that Gandhi, they say that Gandhi said that if Christians would, would live the way, they t- the way they talk, that he would become a Christian. We have a tremendous responsibility. We are witnesses in this world. And so you're loved, you're chosen and appointed, and you're called to be his witnesses. And you're not expected to do it on your own strength because the spirit of, the, of truth will guide you. That's, that's what it says in verse 26. I'm going to read it again. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Let's just read on um, down to verse chapter 16. Let's go down to um, let's go down to verse 5. He was going away from the disciples. He was going to be going to the cross. He says, Now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. Look at verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Now, I want to repeat that, because I know it's easy to, to miss out on what it actually says. I'm going to repeat this. That the Holy Spirit of truth has come, and he will speak what he hears, that means what he hears from God the Father and God the Son. And he will speak and he will tell you and me things to come. That has so gripped my heart this week. Do you realise that, that Jesus was about to go to the cross and he was telling the disciples, yes, I'm going to leave you. And yes, he had warned them that some of them were going to stumble and that they would deny him. He'd warned Peter he would deny him and he was saying but I'm going I'm going away I'm going to the cross because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit Christ could only be with a certain amount of people in one place but the Holy Spirit can be in every believer across this planet so it was better that Jesus would die and and go to the cross and rise again and send his spirit and he has sent his Holy Spirit of truth and he lives in you and he lives in me And he is able to show you what is right, God's righteousness. And he's able to convict you of what is not right. 
And he's able to show you that judgment is coming on the evil one, on the enemy, and that judgment will come upon this earth. And listen, we need to live in such a way as to know that the Holy Spirit of truth can reveal to us the things to do and the things not to do and how, and, and, and he can convict us even convict us of, of a word to speak into someone else's life. The Holy Spirit is real and is the Holy Spirit of truth and he will show you truth. And here's the thing, when you ask the Holy Spirit to help you, he's there to help you. And if you ask him a question, just as I asked him on, on Saturday night, my prayer on Saturday night was, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say to these ladies on Tuesday. All these verses in, in chapter 15 and 16, it's, it's all a bit of a mumble jumble. Holy Spirit, would you please help me? Because I don't, it's not that I want a fancy message. I want a word from you. And in an instant, in an instant, ladies, as I looked at these scriptures, these things just jumped out. These seven headings jumped out of the page. And I jotted them down in a bit of paper and I set them beside my bed. And I didn't look at them again until the next day. And when I wrote the notes, they were written like that. Because I'll tell you, I believe the Holy Spirit showed me what he wanted to speak to you this morning. And if you ask him about any question in your life, if you ask him what he wants to say to you, the Holy Spirit will show you. He will show you the truth. He will show you how to live. It is absolutely amazing. I wrote in your notes that Jesus knew his disciples were about to be shaken in their faith because they wouldn't understand his imminent arrest and death on the cross. But he was promising that he would send the Holy Spirit and things would work out for their good. Isn't that the same challenge for us today? Things happen that we do not understand, but we have God's promise of the Holy Spirit of truth with us, in us. And as well as that, we have the promise that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his promises. Romans 8 and 28. The Holy Spirit will guide you through conviction of sin, righteousness and judgment that is coming. And Jesus was teaching his disciples and he's speaking to us today that we need to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us in these days. And when we open our ears, the Holy Spirit will prepare us and speak to us about things to come. Remember when John was an old, old man, uh, where the, the Romans had put him out in the, on the Isle of Patmos where he had those encounters that he recorded for the book of Revelation. Remember as an old man, he repeated in those early chapters of Revelation over and over again, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Listen, the Spirit is speaking right now. If ever the Holy Spirit was speaking, it's to us right now. And so, uh, let us have ears to hear. Number five, God will turn your sorrow into joy. And I need to watch my time here. God will turn your sorrow into joy. The disciples couldn't understand what Jesus meant when he said he was going away. They didn't understand why he was going to the cross. didn't know he was going to the cross. However, he, Jesus reassured them that whilst they would initially weep, their sorrow would be turned to joy. Do you know that whenever they took Jesus and they nailed him to that cross, that the demonic hordes of hell were whooping with glee? They thought that they had won the day. And as the enemy was 
as the demonic Satan and his underworld were cheering and, and, and were believing that they had won the day. Do you know what? When Jesus rose again, the power of death and sin and hell was overcome. Do you know that Jesus paid the penalty? But you know what, what really where the power came? If Jesus had died and remained dead, we would still be in our sins. But Jesus overcame sin and death and hell and he rose again on the third day and, and that's where Satan was totally and absolutely defeated. The power of the resurrection. In, in Acts chapter 2, it tells us, verses 39 to 36, that David in the Old Testament had prophesied about the resurrection that God had promised. That God had promised he would raise Christ from the dead and that his enemies would be made as footstool. Do you know that when Christ tore the bars of, of hell away, when he rose in that grave that many of us have gone to, we believe, I do believe that, that, that uh, the tomb in, in Jerusalem, uh, I know there's a lot of controversy about it, but honestly, I, I believe in my heart that that's where Jesus rose and overcame death. And when he did that, he defeated hell. He defeated all the judgment against you and against me. Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Jesus knew his disciples would experience joy that no one could take away when he rose from the dead. Because it's over. The, the, the power of death is broken. We do not have to fear the grave. The power of death is broken. That's why we had such joy as we buried Jacqueline this week past. Because we knew that she was with Jesus. Because we knew that, that the power of sin and death and the power of the grave has been broken. I love this verse in Romans 15 where it talks about how, uh, how, how there's a... Before verse 13, it, it says that there shall be a root of Jesse, that's a root from David, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. That root of Jesse, that's the line of David coming down from Jesse and David. That's the Messiah, that's Jesus. And it's talking about how he would rise and reign, rise to reign. And here's what the verse says in verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we have joy and hope because of what Jesus has done, that he has risen from the dead and he is reigning at the right hand of the Father right now. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. I believe that's for the future, but I also believe it's for now. I believe when we're going through hard times right now, when we, when we choose to believe that God is with us, when we, when we are walking in that place of fellowship with him, in obedience with him, I'll tell you there's a joy. There is a joy that is inexpressible. And it can happen even in the midst of grief. It is a supernatural joy. And that's what I believe God wants us to experience in these hours. God wants you to ask in his name so you will receive. I'm going to go quickly through these last two points. Let's just, read, let's just read from John 16, uh, verses 23. In that day, Jesus said, you will ask, most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, 
and you will receive that your joy may be full. Do you see the joy coming in again? You see, when we're born again of the Spirit of God, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. John wrote that in his Gospel in chapter 3. And we know that 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in verse 21 of of uh, of that of that um, of Corinthians it says for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him I'll tell you I'll tell you what we can name the name of Christ because we have been given we've been given his spirit to live in us we can pray in a different way. We can pray in his name because you're a child of God, because you're, you're part of the bride of Christ. And you see, when you trust Jesus to be your saviour, you are brought right into relationship with Christ. You are made righteous. He took your sin so that you could take his righteousness. It's a divine exchange. You are dressed in righteousness and you can pray in the name of Jesus. And I believe that as we walk in obedience, and I'm stressing the obedience because if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if we walk in obedience, I want to say to you today, I want to say to you really, really clearly that as we walk in obedience and in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will show us things to come and the Holy Spirit will show us how to pray and we can pray in the name of Jesus. And when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying what we're praying according to the will of Jesus. Praying in his name means praying in agreement with heaven. Those prayers will be answered. And we can live in a now moment. We can live our lives right now, experiencing a link with heaven and praying in agreement with heaven and seeing God answer prayers and guide us and the Holy Spirit guiding us how to pray and what to pray. This is a whole new level of life in Christ. And it's available. And I believe that, that we're not really experiencing this the way God wants us to experience it. And I'm taking this on board myself, ladies. Final point, number seven. You have everything you need to be an overcomer. John 16, verse 31. Let's just look down. Jesus answered, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered. He's speaking to the disciples. Each of you is to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Verse 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Some other translations say, take heart. I have overcome the world. My final point is this. Not only are you loved, not only are you chosen and appointed, not only are you called to be his witnesses, not only does the spirit of truth guide you if you're walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, not only does God turn your sorrow into joy now and in, the, in eternity we're going to know such joy that we've never known, not only does God want you to ask in his name so that you will receive and experience that, that wonderful fellowship of, of, of walking with God and, and ministering with God, not only all of that, but you need to know that you have everything you need to be an overcomer. It's not enough to say, I just can't overcome. God has given you everything you need. Jesus 
Jesus overcame for you on your behalf at the cross. And he, I believe today that he wants to make this really, really plain that you have everything you need to be an overcomer, but you've got to receive what he says by faith. You know, some years back, I, I was praying with a young woman who's a very dear friend, and she'd had a lot of problems, especially in her growing up. And, you know, after praying with her on a number of occasions, uh, one day I just felt like God said to me, just speak this to this girl. And I remember I looked into her face and I said, you are an overcomer. Now she didn't say, oh, I don't know about that. I don't, know. I don't think I could do that. Or She didn't. She took that word on board by faith. And her, she has gone through, still going through difficulties. But I tell you, she took it by faith. Do you know that just as you receive by faith your salvation, forgiveness of sins, you must take that word by faith that you're already an overcomer because Jesus has, has already paid the price for you. And that's what he says. He says, you will have peace in the world. Even though you have tribulation, be of good cheer because I, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. That word uh, tribulation or trouble, here's what it means. Pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, adversity, affliction, crushing. You ever felt crushed? Squashing, squeezing, distress. Imagine placing your hand on a stack of loose items and manually compressing them. This is what the word means, putting a lot of pressure on that which is free and unfettered. That's what the enemy does. He tries to squeeze you and crush you if he could. This word tribulation or trouble is like a spiritual bench pressing. The word is used of crushing grapes or olives in a press. Do you know why? Do you know why you're an overcomer? Because Jesus went to Gethsemane, which means crushing. And he was crushed for you so that you could be set free. So here's the thing, girls. Here's what I want you to think about as we wind this up. You're loved, you're chosen, you're appointed. You're called to be God's witnesses on the earth. You have the Holy Spirit to help you and give you supernatural truth and great joy even in times of trouble. You're invited to ask in faith for God's purposes to be released on the earth. And on top of all this, you're an overcomer who experiences God's supernatural peace in the midst of the storms of life. Now, I want to ask you, what else could God give you? He has given you everything. He's calling you into fellowship with himself that you will abide in him and bear forth the fruit. And listen, ladies, if ever we needed to take this word in heart, it's right now because the spirit of Antichrist is at work. If the spirit of Antichrist was at work in the first century, I can tell you how much more. I believe there's a call in the midst of all of this COVID and all the rest of it. There is a call to get before God and to be real and to start to live, to surrender and to choose him, to live for him, in him, in the vine. He is the true vine. He's the one who says, come and live in me and I in you. And next week we're going to do John chapter 17. And I'm so looking forward to it because it's such an amazing chapter. But listen, the invitation to you today is, will you come? Do you know that I love you? Do you know that I've chosen you to bear fruit? Do you know that I've appointed you, that I've called you to be my witnesses? 
Do you know how much I love you that I want, that I want you to experience your, your, your sorrows? I want to turn them around that even in the midst of difficulties that you can overcome and you can know the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you understand how much I love you? I believe God wants you to know today that when you speak and ask in his name that you can begin this relationship of seeing him working out his purposes through your life. Do you realise you have everything you need? Christ has paid the price. Today we're living in a day where we need to keep our eyes on him. May we do so. May we be, may we, may we be fruit bearers for his glory. Father, I pray today that you will minister, that you will help us to receive these truths, that you will help us, Lord, to walk in obedience. Lord, you've, you've asked us, you've told us that if we love you, that we are to obey you. We're to walk in your commandments. Help us, Lord, to get our lives in order. Help us to be witnesses even in these end times, because, Lord, I believe you're coming back. I don't believe, Lord, I, I actually, Lord, I just thank you, I believe you're coming back. Speak to us today. Do you know, ladies, this week I've been really impacted. I believe the Lord's coming. I don't believe I'm going to go to the grave. I believe he's coming back. I might be wrong, but in my heart I sense it's not going to be long. This is our opportunity. This is our opportunity to shake ourselves up and to, and to redeem the time and to be obedient and to walk in fellowship with him and to bear fruit and bring glory to his name and to see many coming into the kingdom. We were praying earlier this morning, I'm going to finish with this, we were praying earlier this morning in the prayer room that the bride of Christ would rouse herself and across this world that there would be a, a getting ourselves right and getting washed and cleansed and that the bride might start to pray and that there might be a great revival, an end time revival before Jesus comes back. May it be so. For his name's sake. I would just love.